0: What if I told you there was a doctor you'd actually want to see that instead of telling you what's always wrong, told you what could be right, what could be better? That doctor is Robbie Sika, and he is an innovator in the field of sports medicine. Hired as the Wolves Vice President of Basketball Performance and Technology in 2019, Robbie's hiring signals an organization that is looking toward the future, trying to maximize performance through data and information and implementation using technology and the latest practices. It's a lot, but he breaks it down for us. Our fascinating conversation with Robbie Sika next on Wolves Plus. What a feed, Ricky to Carl Anthony Towns for the dunk. Russell shows off the handle and the shot.
1: Over making things happen.
0: Oh, yes he is! Oh! To coast for Obi-Wan Okoge. Robbie, I just feel like this is going to be an interesting conversation because you and your job are both very interesting, especially in the time that we're living in right now. But basically, your job is to sort of help shape and mold players from a nutrition, health, and medical standpoint. So you're pulling in those three things, kind of sifting them all together, interpreting what it means and spitting out something that is helpful and useful to a player. How do you sort of even begin to describe your job to a layperson?
1: Uh, every day my job gets more interesting. I think my job in 2020 was obviously a little bit different than it was in, in 2019. And, you know, I appreciate the, the perspective that it's, it's a unique job and that there's a lot of expectations and a lot of asks to, to try and mold uh 15 young men into not just the best players that they can be but the best people that they can be so the first step is just getting to know them and getting to understand who they are as people and how they got to be here and then where they want to go and where does this team see them going because we have to develop them for what we need but then also help them develop for what they want to be 10 20 30 years from now too
0: so part of your job is dealing with technology to sort of give you stats that you can work with. And I know guys sometimes wear a device, whether training camp or in practices. What is the device? How do they wear it? How does it work? What do you learn from it? Tell us about this device.
1: So one of the devices that our players wear is called Connexon, which is a chip that they wear in their shorts that helps track their distance, their jumps, their jump height. It also gives us an opportunity to track their shooting. And so we see where they're making shots, what their arc is on their shot, All of that information helps give us a direct guide of what they do on a daily basis that's part of what we track but we also track what they eat how they're hydrating uh, how they're balancing uh, how much force they're generating and so whether it's a wearable or it's other technology that we're tracking it's how much they're lifting and are they getting functionally stronger if you can envision somebody with say low back pain or somebody with knee pain how much are you squatting is one thing but how quickly did you generate the force as you're lifting is a totally different thing and does that impact how explosive you can be coming off the ground? So all of that paints a picture of where you are today and that helps guide us to where you're gonna be hopefully six months from now.
0: Okay, now that is a lot. I mean, that's a lot of information. Let me just back up and start with this chip. So it's a chip, is it like sewn into the player's shorts? in a certain spot to not be flying around, or how does we this? We put work? it in
1: the waistband uh, so that the guys are wearing it during practice, and we get similar data during games uh, from the motion ca- motion capture cameras that are set up by the league through something called Second Spectrum. So that means in practice or in games, wherever we are, we're always getting their shots, their distance, their volume, everything that they're doing, and all of that information helps guide what they do the next day, what they need for recovery, what they're eating, etc. So. That chip itself is an accelerometer and it's set up to collect all of their movements on the floor.
0: I mean, just for those of us not doctors, that is an incredible piece of information that a guy can wear a chip in his waistband while he works out, practices, whatever, and you can get that much information that is actually helpful and useful information. I mean, technology is just incredible right now to allow teams and individuals to be able to do this
1: yeah I mean that's the key right it's that what do you do with it so anybody can collect a bunch of information it's how do you actually take it and turn it into something tangible for our players and I think that's that's what I think I do well with our guys is because I care so much about them as human beings is I can give them that data back as an individual and that's why I think they buy into it and why they buy into the data that's really what it comes down to is individualizing this care and all of the information back to them. That's really key.
0: So is this a, a spreadsheet, like an Excel type of spreadsheet that you're using to make use of this data? That makes part sense of it. of it?
1: That's part of it. Um, you know, people like colors, people like graphs, people like uh, data presented back in the way that they want it. So we've got to figure out how to, how to simplify it. And it's not no different than giving it to a coach and a player. Like they might both see two pieces of data, and see them very differently. How do we give it back to Coach Saunders? How how do we give it back to Gerson? Those are key pieces too, right? Because they want to see the data as well. And that's the interesting part is that you're taking one piece of information. Like I'll ask you, if I tracked how many steps you took every day and I had to show it to a family member versus your boss, they're probably both going to view it very differently as well as how you would view your own data, right? Yes. So being able to take that and, be, and make, make it relevant for all three is something that I think we have to be very humanistic about.
0: So when you are converting data into something, a, a player, let's say a 22-year-old player versus Gerson or somebody in their 40s, or even let's say you're showing it to Glenn Taylor in his 80s. Are you, are you giving the data in a different way on a different sheet of paper with different font and colors? Are you going that specific?
1: Absolutely. It's got to be different reports, and that's what we've learned. In, you know, This is where my medical background helps because I've learned that every patient is a little bit different. Every 22-year-old player is a little bit different too, right? Anthony Edwards is just a little bit different than Carl Towns and is a little bit different than maybe Andrew Wiggins, who was here, or different than Ricky Rubio, who was here before and now is back, and maybe he saw what Phoenix did so you've got to keep your finger on the pulse of what other teams are doing too and that's where it helps that I've been around other leagues other sports um, other populations where you can have that perspective I think perspective is what's needed in life like keeping perspective allows you to understand what your role is and what's important in that moment.
0: You had mentioned Robbie besides the chip in the waistband of the shorts the cameras that hang I don't know if they hang, the cameras that are mounted in the ceilings. They're in every NBA arena. And I don't know if a lot of just casual fans even realize that this is existing because we started to be able to give fans uh, a sprint speed of a player, like to describe, we've always said, that guy's really fast. And now you can say, because he runs 14.7 miles an hour or something like that. And that data is coming from cameras on the ceilings of NBA arenas. How much information, useful information, are you getting when you go to every arena knowing what the setup is up
1: on the ceiling? I mean, you're looking for not necessarily every single data point because you get lost in the data. But you try and find little nuggets and little pieces that are guiding you towards, hey, is this player becoming more explosive? A great example was in the second game of the year, Jarrett Culver ran faster than he's run at any point in the last two years. He actually ran faster than any player at Target Center in the last two years, in that moment. Being able to tell Jarrett, hey, that was an example of you being the most explosive player that you've been in a transition situation. That was really helpful for him to realize, like, okay, that, that progress that I've been trying to make in practice, it's there. I'm, I'm seeing it. Telling him that made him feel like, okay, now I can take another step because that explosiveness that I've been working on is there. I should feel confident, and, you know, the shots will fall, and I should get to the rim, and I should try and make an effort to be aggressive because I am getting more explosive. It gives players confidence, and that's what you want to be able to use the data for is to give players confidence and also to give them guidance on what to do maybe differently.
0: Yeah, you're getting that positive feedback and the measurement that, hey, that's proof. So you said second game of the season. So that was in Salt Lake at Utah. There was a play. Is it like was Culver chasing down a loose ball or something? What was
1: he doing? It it was a transition possession where he was basically leading the break and he hit over 18 and a half miles an hour. And you're like, wow, that, that 18 miles an hour right there, that's pretty fast because he didn't have much space to accelerate to hit that speed. That's really helpful information to be able to, to show him. And then you try and show somebody the clip, and the actual video clip of, hey, this is what you were doing yeah. when you were explosive. That's doable. We can do it over and over again. But now you have that expectation in practice. You have that expectation when you do get that open floor that you can hit it. And a lot of this, frankly, was stuff that I pulled from wide receivers and looking at stuff that I did in the NFL or looking at stuff that I did with other NBA teams where we were trying to sync it always back to film Because then I can show a coach and show a coach, hey, 18 and a half miles an hour, uh, there's nobody else on this team that's on this roster right now that ran that fast in a game over the last two years. That explosiveness is there. Being able to do it functionally versus running scared, those are two different things though, right? Because now, okay, he's capable of running that fast. Now you've got to be able to run that fast and finish on the break. Now you've got to be able to run that fast and make that read because things are coming at you so much faster, you've got to get the ball to that that open shooter in the corner. So did Jarrett finish the play? He did. He did. He made, he, he made it, yeah. and that's exactly what we want to
0: see. Perfect. And what great reinforcement, then, yep. for that player, for Jarrett Culver in that moment. Perfect. This is really fascinating. Um, how many helpers, assistants, translators, whatever you want to call them, do you have – because that's a massive amount of information to deal with.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the the key thing is we have so much talent here in the organization in terms of brain power. Everybody helps one another. Uh, a lot of this is we need more people to, to help interpret data, but also to take it back to individuals. But we've got a really strong analytics staff that I think is going to continue to grow a really strong, in my view, the best performance staff in the NBA with a really, really top notch strength staff, a really, really elite medical staff that puts it all together. um, It's just going to take some time, just like, you know, we have one of the youngest rosters in the NBA. Being able to take all of these intelligent and strong opinions and coalesce it into one cohesive plan doesn't happen overnight. And in a pandemic, it sometimes takes a little bit longer than you'd like. But I think all those opinions are really coming together right now and helping us see, you know, the the relative really valuable production that we've gotten from Anthony Edwards has been a really bright spot for us through the first four games being able to see how explosive he's been and how in tune he's been with his teammates that's him taking you know a good first step in the league and that's because we're taking data we're understanding his body and we're we're letting him apply it every night wow real just such interesting information
0: another area that you apply a lot of this information is nutrition food i know you have chefs you have andrew zimmern and gavin Kaysen, phenomenal like you know as long as you're going to start with chefs why not just <laughs> go top notch right off the bat absolutely so pl- players get smoothies a lot of times and they'll have one after a game i'll see that see it sitting at every locker stall they've got their individual bottle and they look different some of them are a little more green some a little more pink So how different and specified are even the smoothie, the recovery smoothie, I'm guessing, for each player using all this data and things? Now we're going into the nutrition mode. Let's just start with smoothies.
1: Yeah, I mean, smoothies is just the tip of the iceberg, Marnie. It's really interesting. I was talking to our chefs today, and every smoothie is cultivated and based upon what a player's individual dietary sensitivities are. So guys who are maybe sensitive to eggs or sensitive to nuts, um, or sensitive to blueberries, We, we figure that out and what your body responds the best to. We have one player who is really, really sensitive to eggs. And so making sure that we eliminate eggs from as many things or cook eggs in a certain way so that it minimizes the inflammatory response. That was critical for that individual. We have another player who's sensitive to blueberries and raspberries. So being able to figure out exactly what works best for each player, they all have their own specific smoothie but then somebody gets hurt and they may have an anti-inflammatory addition to their smoothie now what we've added in is every single poultry or meat or carb also is specified for uh, a given player so we may have you know a player who likes jerk uh jerk spice on the their chicken or um, a little bit of saffron well that chicken is going to be quantified in terms of the actual um, caloric intake based on what they did in their workout that day And so everything is laid out for the players, even now, where it's all grab and go. So imagine if you walked into Spoon and Stable or some of these other great restaurants and everything's that individualized, but the portion size is also individualized to what your lift was that day. Are you injured or not? How much did you run? Um, How much did you drink? Uh, All of those layers are now something that even in a pandemic, it really speaks to what Gavin Andrew KZ, uh, Mayo Clinic and our outstanding nutritionist Luke are all putting together for our players because they're all really really working hard to figure out a population of players that really didn't have that ramp up period they didn't have that typical training camp they've got to figure out their nutrition and we've got a lot of new rosters on this body or a lot of new players on this roster so figuring out what they all need is very much on the fly.
0: So something you said at the beginning here, Robbie, was if a player is sensitive to eggs or blueberries or whatever, you're not talking about someone who comes in and says, I know I can't have peanut butter, my throat yeah, closes up, that. I break out into hives. You're talking about someone who doesn't even know he has a sensitivity to something as simple as blueberries, whey, whatever. So how, when you say sensitivity, you're not talking about the obvious uh, breakout in a rash.
1: Yeah, we're, we're talking about a very subtle pro-inflammatory response that their body may not react in a stressful situation to certain foods. And so really getting into that granular level of testing um, was part of our preseason uh, physical. Understanding their nutrition, understanding where they were with force generation, where they were with their balance, where they were with their strength. It's all about assessing and reacting, assessing and reacting. And the more you assess, the less you're really reacting in that moment to something that you missed. So it's all about conversation and understanding, you know, again, my goal, and I've learned this from my own family and from my own friends, you don't change people. You want to make them the best version of themselves. So if they like to eat those things and there might be a risk, you want to give them the healthiest version of it. You know, whether it's, you know, minimizing fried food or um, cooking in a specific oil, like those are the kinds of granular things that we try and do that, if a guy really likes fried chicken, we've got to figure out how to prepare that in the best possible way. We've got to give a guy what he likes and what his body's used to in the healthiest possible way. Because it's pretty hard to change what you like to eat, especially if yeah. you're a veteran. But, but even for a lot of the rookies and the kids who grew up uh, in certain parts of the country, like Anthony or Jaden, they have you know dietary things that they like to eat. They have restaurants that they like to go to. Um, you know, hopefully Jarrett Culver likes going to Culver's, um, but we try and, you know, (laughs) give people what they like and also incorporate the healthiest version of it.
0: Well, it's interesting. You should mention Jarrett Culver too, because when he came into the league and having lived in Texas, the state of Texas, his whole life and being so close to home, he loved his mom's, I want to say eggs, scrambled eggs. Yep. And you guys were trying to figure out a way for the chefs to be able to make not just eggs that were similar, but like basically replicate and duplicate and make them as healthy as possible and specific as possible, Jarrett Culver's mom's eggs.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, a lot of credit to Jarrett for using um, the pandemic as a a time period to, to add strength and to work really hard. He added over 10 pounds of muscle. Um, during that period and that's because he was eating well and because he was eating healthy and I think we've seen that thus far in his performance too Um, but for all of our players I mean we have a lot of guys who love ketchup we got to find a way to get ketchup Um, you know we've got some players who who like tater tot hot dish and we've got other players who you know are more the filet mignon type we've got to balance that out and we've got to have options and a lot of credit goes to the entire staff for figuring it out Peter Warden's been terrific Rachel uh, in delivering a lot of food to our players um, over the last few months. Um, That's been critical. We've had so many people on our staff who have gone the extra mile uh, to make a difference for new staff, new players. And when you think about it, I mean, the reality is many people have been quarantined at different points for potential exposures to COVID. We've continued since March delivering food to anybody who's been in quarantine. That's, again, just showing like, hey, kz has been cooking every day for our players and our staff, but we really, really value taking care of people. It's just, it comes from the heart and it's something that our staff never complains about. We just, we want to make sure that people are taken care of because it's, it sucks to be quarantined. It sucks to be alone and and not be near your friends and family. So being able to do that in a pandemic, I just, I think just shows who we are in a stressful time. Uh, It underscores how much people in this organization really care about one another.
0: Oh, no doubt. You can't provide every meal though. You can't provide every meal to every player. And at some point you have to rely on the player yeah, making good them. choices for himself. How
1: about on the road? Uh, well, we've got a lot of rules and regulations regarding um, road dining. So a lot of this is at the hotel um, where we try and facilitate really good and healthy meals. Um, you know, We're thankful that we stay in hotels that can provide really good food and consistent meals. I think a big part of this is consistency, Uh, particularly for our rookies. They learn that if you eat the same thing every pregame, one, that's really easy for us to produce, and two, that's really uh, good for your body because it learns how to react to specific meals. So we're we're pretty consistent in how we approach the road meals. We try and make it as similar to the home meals, um, but we also know that, look, the restaurant industry is really struggling right now, and we're going to be pretty limited, and we want to support... Um, A lot of small restaurants and restaurants that are around the country that um, can provide food for us. So we're doing our best to support small businesses around the country, too.
0: Pre-COVID, Robbie, before all of this started, did you ever walk into a restaurant on the road or even in Minneapolis and see a player just like bellied up at the bar with a big old plate of nachos and you were just like, (laughs)
1: Yeah, I did. I I mean, it's hard (laughs) to remember some of those pre-COVID times, but um, I definitely have those memories of of people enjoying uh, the finer things and enjoying those those meals where they didn't think about it. I'm a cookie lover, so I I miss having um, open access to cookies wherever I go.
0: Because you understand, it's not that once in a while you got to have the nachos, you got to have the cookies. Absolutely, it's moderation.
1: Yeah. It, Overall it, sensibility. And there's nothing like having a kid to teach you that, hey, you know what? Sometimes it's okay to just go get a little bit of ice cream.
0: Speaking from a guy who has a little toddler, a little two year old girl at home, right? Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah, she loves her ice cream. She kept asking Santa for ice cream this year. <laughs> I was like, you could you Santa can ask for did- a little more, but that's cool. We'll we'll take care of that.
0: Did did Santa deliver? Santa,
1: santa, santa took care of her he, he took care of her in uh in a lot of ways a lot of ice cream a lot
0: oh that's cream. great that's great uh that's it's interesting robbie not only your job but the fact that you are from minnesota you are one of us you're a wolves fan through and through you grew up in orono you and your dad used to go to a lot of timberwolves games and your family had season ticket holders how back does your timberwolves how far back does your Timberwolves fandom go?
1: Look, I, I grew up here, and I, I love this organization so much. And, you know, I, I have so many fond memories of listening to Tom Hanneman and Kevin Harlan as a kid uh, of watching, you know, even the pre-KG T-Wolves with Pooh Richardson and Tony Campbell um, and Randy Brewer and Ty Corbin. Like, that's that's what I grew up with. And so to be able to work for an organization now that, that I dreamt of working for my whole life, uh, it's a dream come true. More than that, it's it's really great to see that we've embraced family in this organization because my family which is super important to me is able to to be a part of the organization and see how close everybody is here so we've had season tickets since the outset and we've been going to games for for a long long time with the dream that we wanted to help this team be not just successful for one season but sustainably uh excellent in all respects and I know my parents and my my wife and all my cousins and everybody, my engagement party was here. So we've had a lot of really good memories at Target Center. So it's nice to have my second home be a place that I work at every day.
0: It's a really natural fit. There are some things you kind of fall into and go, wow, this might have been like just made for me. I almost feel like this job might have been made for Robbie Sika.
1: I, you know, I'm not not exactly sure what my job is on a day-to-day basis sometimes uh, because there's so many things that I do um, and that I'm involved with here that I enjoy. But, yeah, it does feel like it's a natural fit. And, you know, just to, to remember some of the, the games that I went to, I remember the first time that I saw Michael Jordan play here. I remember seeing Magic Johnson. Um, like, there are so many great memories of, of other teams playing here that I want the memories of the Timberwolves to be the ones that you know my kid can look at and be like I remember when you know when the champs came into town and you beat the Lakers that's what I'm looking forward to like I want Gia to be able to go to a game and see us beat the champs that's going to be a great feeling because that's the memory that you carry with you
0: we all want that Robbie we all want that And,
1: and, and and it would help to beat Trudell a little bit too
0: your good buddy Mike Trudell, yes. Yeah, so locked in with the Lakers. Yeah, that would be that would be a, a storybook right there. Um, your job right now, a lot of your job, has been focusing on COVID, the effects of COVID, the coronavirus, the testing, keeping your players safe, the masking, all of that. And this is not something that was in your job description six months ago. And now here you are swimming in it. Um, the covid piece how significant has it been in what your duties are now for this team
1: i mean it's hard for me to envision how i created even more time in the day to handle covid (laughs) because i still have to do the other stuff Um, but look covid overlies every single thing that we do in this organization right now in terms of how we practice when we practice um, how we spend time with one another how we educate our players, how we feed them, uh, how we train them. COVID impacts everything. And I told our players back in March that this was going to be their 9-11. And I think there were a lot of questionable looks then. And I think the guys obviously get it now. But this is going to continue to change our lives even into 2021. It has a unique um, way of pointing fingers. It has a unique social construct that reminded me of HIV back in April. And it's just a strange virus that continues to vex even the best scientists in the world. Uh, The good thing is Gerson and Ethan and and Coach and everybody here has given me kind of carte blanche to do what I can to help the world and to use this as an opportunity to make the Timberwolves leaders. And I'm really proud of the organization for giving myself and the entire medical staff and a lot of us the opportunity to, to test broadly and to help set up community testing in school districts, to help develop saliva direct, which is I think the most affordable and unique test in the country, and to really do something every day where, I mean, my day might range from you know a 5 a.m. wake up and, and conference calls starting at 6 a.m. because it's seven on the East Coast, uh, calls with the White House, calls with the Biden transition team, with the NIH, FDA, um, tech companies. It, it just, it runs the gamut every single day because we're not just trying to help the basketball team. We're really trying to help the world through this. And a lot of my time is also spent trying to figure out testing that we have access to and how we can make it accessible for schools, particularly in Minnesota.
0: Well, the testing is something that you and the people that you worked with should really be applauded for because you have a background in medicine. You are a doctor. You went to medical school. You helped develop the saliva test, which has been a game changer, to use the term, uh, for the Timberwolves. And as you mentioned, in life, this saliva test has been the one that people are now going to. It's less invasive, it's easier, it's quicker, all of that that you helped develop. How did you even get to the point in studying COVID and this virus and all of that it does where you thought, okay, first of all, let's let's not have to always put a, a swab up people's noses Let's just get it from spit. Like, is that a, is that a revelation that you had?
1: Well, it, it's interesting because, you know, my wife lets me read until all hours of the night, so she's cool with me just constantly studying, and I love learning. I, I came across an article from the Yale team back in late April, and it just, it piqued my interest. And one of the things that I've always prided myself on doing is I know that I'm not that smart, but I'm, I'm good at connecting people who are smart. And I I read that article, and I wanted to put together a group of people to take that idea that they had discovered that saliva um, could basically house COVID and that it was stable for a period of time. So I connected with folks, and I I have no fear of people rejecting me. I've been rejected tons of times in my life. So I sent emails, and if people are willing to, to reach back out, we run with it. And so I emailed the folks from Yale and put together this team, and it's led to a really unique work group that's called the covid sports and society work group and that work group is comprised of all of the professional sports leagues across the country leaders in academics technology companies like amazon and apple um, politicians leaders um, in the community stay-at-home moms teachers um physicians and the fda you know former fda president uh, our commissioner scott gottlieb uh andy slavitt it's just a who's who of doers and people who really understand COVID is not just something that we have to test for. If we're gonna test, we also have to figure out how we're gonna share results, how we're gonna turn this into an operation and a logistics program. So being able to figure out all of that took not just my brain, but a lot of other really, really smart people. And thankfully, Marnie, I think you and I are both really, really grateful to work with the NBA. The NBA is without question, the most forward-thinking professional sports league and maybe one of the most forward-thinking businesses out there they ran with it. They ran with an idea like Saliva Direct. And now we've got more research studies coming that are coming out here um, in early 2021. And we've got to focus on using all of our opportunities to educate people that one, prevention is still the right thing. Prevention is still the best way to avoid the complications of COVID. And that whatever the vaccine may bring, it's going to take time to get it out there. So these are all really good opportunities for us to help at-risk communities. And I'm just very fortunate to work with really great people who've helped. It's
0: really incredible. Don't don't sell yourself short. Robbie, you might be humble and try to deflect the praise, but I'm going to continue to give it to you. You are the smart one who uh, man, the the things that you have done to help develop this, they they are incredible. And I have I have always thought ever since the NBA and WNBA and NHL said we're going to try this. We're going to make a bubble. We're going to forge ahead. I've always thought sports is going to tell us a lot about this virus that can be applied to everyone else. Absolutely. And I continue to believe that. Don't you think that what the NBA is doing, to just be specific to you and the NBA, what you're doing and what you're learning is extremely helpful in just dealing with this virus in general life?
1: Well, we wouldn't. I don't think we would deserve to play sports unless we used this platform to educate ourselves on how it impacted schools and other at-risk communities. We learned how the virus transmits. We learned about testing. We learned about how to develop low-cost, affordable testing. Um, we learned about the spread in close quarters, all of which has a major impact on not just K through 12 schools, but K through 12 sports as well. So all of these things, yeah, have a broad, broad significant implication on society. And that's why we did that, that, that's why I'm comfortable with us moving forward with the season, because the NBA in particular really is focused on teaching people off of this. But I think all of the sports leagues have really come together. Um, you know, one of the things that prior to this we had done is we had had a citywide analytics conference for all of the sports teams that we typically did around March that obviously got uh, postponed this past year. But one of the ideas that, that we had was, you know, how, how can all the sports teams actually collectively come together on something? And this is one of those rare moments that all of the sports leagues coming together and sharing an article that, um, that I helped write for the Journal of Bone and Joint Surgery on what did we learn from sports through the, basically the start and the end of all of our seasons last year. That's rare. And it's situations like this that are bringing the best out of certain people. And that's, that's the refreshing part and the thing that gives me hope that 2021 will be a better year, that we're bringing people together through sports to really help society.
0: Yeah, imagine that, the connection. That's, that's really incredible.
1: That's what it's all about, right? That's what basketball and team sports is all about.
0: Yes, the bigger picture, the connectivity. With that, Robbie, and all that you've done to help advance us in testing and in learning and everything that you've done to help these athletes to be better players and better humans. For you, will anything be a greater accomplishment than your singing California Love (laughs) by Tupac at the team outing at the start of last season?
1: Uh, You know, it was fun to hear California Love in LA uh, the other day, because I just, I love that song and I love hip hop. Uh, That was a fun night. It's fun to think back how far, uh, how far we've come that night from that night.
0: And every time you hear that song, you were just on a road trip in L.A., you heard it. Every time you hear it, do you just, boom, crank it and bust out the lyrics?
1: I mean, it's always playing in my head. So, uh, you know, when I wake up in the morning, that's what I hear. So I just, I love, I love that song, and it takes me back to, uh, to a good place where, you know, it, I was asking some of our players and staff, we were on the bus one day, how old were you when your favorite song came out? And I'll ask you, Marnie, what's your favorite song? Suds
0: in the Bucket by Sarah Evans.
1: OK, and how old, how old were you when that song came out?
0: Um, sure, I was mid-20s, mid to late 20s.
1: So the, the average person says that um, their favorite song came out at an average age of 13. Oh, it's, really? And it's very consistent. So you, you're, probably, you're one of the real outliers on that. Because every person on the bus there that I asked that day it was 13 or 14. When was it? When was California Love for you? 1995,
0: so 14. 14, just the heart of Orono, <laughs> just pumping.
1: Yeah, we, we listened to a lot of Tupac and Dr. Dre back in uh, in the mid 90s at Orono.
0: And didn't I read Carl Anthony Towns was one when that song came out? Would that be the right
1: math? Uh yeah, he came, He was born in 1995 in November 1995, so that uh, yeah. Right around then, and the the funny thing is, I mean, I don't know how much, of, how many of those guys actually recognized like what that song was like when it came out, or that Tupac died in 1996. But I probably know more about hip hop than I know about a lot of other topics. So sometimes I like to joke with these guys that if they want to get into a discussion of hip hop history, then I'm I'm more than happy to take that challenge. That or a spelling bee.
0: <laughs> so hip hop spelling, nutrition, COVID saliva anesthesiology oh my goodness you're a well-rounded man robbie you are an interesting human being
1: i I like to have fun and you know i think the the fun thing with with this group is um people are themselves people feel comfortable and they they like to share a little bit of themselves there's a lot of organizations where uh, i might not have felt comfortable um you know going and singing karaoke at a bar and performing a a hip-hop song but the people here make you feel like it's okay to be yourself and when you have that and you can be vulnerable i think it allows you to build something really special over time because people just they gravitate towards one another and they want to help one another through the tough times
0: and that comes because there are good quality human beings Absolutely. don't you agree robbie yep. everywhere you look
1: but it it, you know and. You see it from the leadership and the the way the entire leadership views how they bring people in and how we welcome people with open arms into this organization. And I think, you know, whether it's testing a family for COVID or helping, uh, you know, a player through, uh, uh, you know, having a kid here, we've got a couple of guys who are expecting kids and, or who have young babies and came into town and they're like, hey, I need a pediatrician. It's things like that that, again, are the small little things that really do make a difference in engendering positivity and a connection between the players and the staff where people feel good people feel like um they can be themselves and this is a place to work hard and i can hold people accountable then and say hey you know we're we're going the extra mile for you on this we we need you to really buckle down and and do this other part that we need to see on the floor
0: well i think that's because you guys are all interested in creating not just better basketball players but better human beings and that's clear, and I'm going to put you in that category of the good, fine people over at Target Center and Mayo Clinic Square. So thank you, Robbie, for uh, for sharing with us and for kind of opening up a little bit and for giving us a glimpse into your very, very, very busy life. Well,
1: thank, thank you, Marnie, and I hope you and the entire FSN team has a great uh, holiday season. You guys have been great to work with over the last year and a half, and. Looking forward to having you guys back to the arena soon and and hopefully winning some games. But, you know, I'm very grateful for all of the support that you guys have given. This hasn't been easy for anybody. And I I just hope that everybody who's out there continues to mask up and stay safe and uh, make sure that you you take care of your families during this time. Happy holidays.
0: Thank you, Robbie. I appreciate you. uh, Take care of yourself over there.
1: (laughs) Thanks so much.